Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. And welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. So glad you could join us with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat, as we get you set for Monday Night Football. It has been a lengthy weekend, but finally the Giants are going to get back on the field as they will visit the Philadelphia Eagles tonight at Lincoln Financial Field. So we'll set the stage for that matchup. We'll also get to your phone calls and your tweets along the way as the Giants are going to renew their rivalry with an Eagles team that has absolutely dominated them over the last few years. The numbers do not lie. Philadelphia has won nine of the last ten meetings, including five straight. So this has been a very difficult environment for the Giants to figure out. And there's going to be a number of things that they're going to have to do to keep themselves out of trouble tonight. And we'll certainly get into those storylines. And I'm curious what you have to say about this matchup as well. But the Giants have an opportunity to play spoiler tonight. And I think that is one of the most intriguing storylines here the rest of the way for the final four games of the season. But specifically, half of their four games are going to be against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are in competition with the Dallas Cowboys for the NFC East title. And Dallas lost to Chicago on Thursday. The Eagles, with a win tonight, can pull back into a tie with the Cowboys. They're going to meet in Week 16. And then the Giants will meet the Eagles again in Week 17 to wrap up the regular season. But if you're the Giants, you know mathematically you've got nothing to play for. But that doesn't mean that these players have nothing to play for. There's pride on the line. There's clearly a lot of young players on this team who certainly still have a lot to prove, especially in the Department of Consistency. And then, of course, you have an opportunity to prevent an arch rival from wrapping up the division or at least remaining in contention for the division title. And I'm sure if you ask most Giants players, specifically the ones who have been in the league for quite some time, a lot of these young rookies, I don't know if they necessarily understand the rivalry at this stage. They understand what rivalries are all about based on their collegiate days. They may not necessarily understand the heat in battles that have taken place between the Giants and the Eagles over time. But you ask a guy like Eli Manning, he certainly understands what this rivalry is all about. And... As you well know, Giants fans, from seeing a lot of these games in recent history in Philadelphia, it once again has not been very kind to the Giants. So, strong start. It goes without saying tonight, have to protect the football. The Giants have won the turnover battle twice, and it has not necessarily led to a victory. So, it's not just about winning the turnover battle. It's about playing clean football. And the Giants have yet to play a game where they have not turned the ball over at least once. Now, that has been the Achilles heel of this team. It's a minus 14 turnover differential right now for the Giants. That's tied for 31st in the NFL. 
That trend has to change over the final four games if the Giants want to get back on the winning track. Now, Philadelphia has not been that impressive in terms of protecting the football either, with all of that being said, but there's still a significant difference between the Giants and the Eagles. Eagles are minus five. Now, they have 21 turnovers. Just to put things in perspective, the Giants have 28 turnovers. So clean football has to be priority number one. Number two, I would say, for tonight's game has to be containing Miles Sanders. Jordan Howard is questionable coming into this game. He may very well play, but Miles Sanders is starting to emerge. Second-round pick out of Penn State actually was teammates with Saquon Barkley. He's a versatile back. I'm not saying he's the equivalent of Saquon Barkley, but he's a guy that can catch the ball on the backfield, and he could also clearly run in between the tackles. And Sanders has emerged. He's come alive. He's up there in terms of receptions on the team. This is going to be a guy that they're going to look to get out in open space tonight, and the Giants are going to have to have an answer because you know this is a Eagles team that has been plagued by injuries and inconsistency at the receiving court. Deshaun Jackson was a big weapon for them early in the season. He's on IR. They have not had any vertical threat replace him since Deshaun Jackson provided a spark in the early stages of the season. It's been a revolving door of wide receivers. They've had Jordan Matthews. They've had Mac Hollins, who have filled in. Both of those guys are no longer on the team. Alshon Jeffrey is starting to get back to full health. Nelson Aguilar is coming into this game questionable. There's not a lot of depth at that position. So, you know, the Eagles want to pound the football. The Eagles want to win time of possession. They want to put together lengthy drives. That's what's been a winning recipe for them. And, you know, to me, a statistic that I think really tells the story for the Philadelphia Eagles this season is the fact that in their five wins this year, they're averaging over 140 rushing yards per game, 149 to be exact. In their seven losses, that number goes down to 97. So the Eagles, you know, they're coming into this game, they want to pound the football. And Miles Sanders is approaching the all-time rookie record in terms of rushing yards in a single season for the Eagles. That's more of a reason why they want to continue to pound the rock. They have to win the battle in the trenches in terms of stopping the run, which in fairness, the Giants have been very respectable against over the last few games. And then on the flip side, they have to protect Eli Manning. Philadelphia has 34 sacks this season. That's tied for 11th in the NFL. They've had nine in the last two games. What Philadelphia is so effective in doing, Jim Schwartz has brought this staple to their defense since he took over as defensive coordinator. He loves to rotate his defensive linemen. They don't rely on four guys the entire game. They rely on six to seven guys. He keeps them fresh so that by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they don't have anyone in particular that's been playing 95 to 96% of the snaps. If you remember when Steve Spagnuolo was the defensive coordinator, they were playing Olivier Vernon, and JPP, 95 to 96% of the snaps. And a common conversation we had on this show was, you know, do they need to get to the point where they need to find somebody else to emerge or else they're going to wear down the personnel? And by the time you get down to the fourth quarter, those guys are not going to be effective. Well, Jim Schwartz has avoided that game plan because of the depth that they have in that position. You know, Fletcher Cox is one guy that comes to mind, Brandon Graham. And these are two-way players I'm talking about. Their ability to stop the run, their ability to get after the quarterback. The Giants need to protect Eli Manning, and they need to give him time to survey the football. Because the one thing, to me, that has been a difference maker in every game, specifically in Philadelphia, in primetime, has been the Eagles' ability to put pressure on Eli Manning and set the tone in the trenches. Now, there was one game I remember a few years ago, it was 27 nothing that the Eagles won. I don't remember if that was a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. It just has not been pretty. And part of it has been because the Giants get down early, and all of a sudden, the Eagles 
pin their ears back, they get comfortable. Now, if you recall, that was not the case last year in Philadelphia. It was actually the opposite. The Giants jumped out to a big lead. Saquon Barkley ran the ball effectively. They were able to get in the end zone, and then all of a sudden, it was a tale of two halves. The second half did not equate to the first half. So, you know, we're not talking about an impossible feat. It's just, it has been an issue for the Giants this season, getting off to strong starts, specifically on the road, and then following through to play that complete game. So, battle in the trenches, protecting the football, those two things, it goes without saying need to be taken care of. Now, as far as the Eli Manning factor, there is going to be a distinct difference between what Eli brings to the table versus Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones obviously has that mobility factor. Eli does not, but Eli has a wealth of experience that Daniel Jones doesn't, and he's seen this Philadelphia defense more often than not. He understands the identity of Jim Schwartz's group. So could that be an advantage for the Giants? I don't think it hurts, but it's a matter of the Giants capitalizing on that. You know, we've talked about this week in and week out attractive matchups on paper, areas for the Giants to take advantage, and it just has not come to fruition. So this is a game where there's certainly some attractive matchups. The Eagles' secondary has given up a lot of big plays this season. You go back to that Miami game last Sunday, Ryan Fitzpatrick and company were able to mount a comeback because you had the secondary for the Eagles unable to stop long passes down the field, specifically... Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. Now, the previous few weeks, the Eagles' defense had been somewhat respectable, and I would say part of that was because they got pressure on the quarterbacks when they played Tom Brady and they played Russell Wilson. Those were low-scoring affairs. Those were not high-scoring affairs. Then all of a sudden, they play the Dolphins, and it's a game in the 30s, which to me is another example of how it is very much a week-to-week league. And you've heard me say that phrase time and time again on that show, but Once again, I think the Eagles are the perfect demonstration of this because we've seen games where the Eagles' defense has shut down the opposition, and then we've seen games where all of a sudden they're giving up 38 points to the Miami Dolphins of all teams. There is opportunities to beat the Eagles down the field. The good news for the Giants is they will have Golden Tate. They will have Sterling Shepard. They will have Saquon Barkley. Unfortunately, Evan Ingram is still nursing the foot sprain, so he is going to be sidelined once again, and, you know, that common narrative of, you know, when will the Giants have all of their key weapons on the field, it's going to have to wait till potentially next week, but with that being said, there's still enough personnel on the field for them to take advantage of this Eagles secondary. Another area, by the way, where I would argue the Eagles have some question marks is the middle of the field, the linebacking position, because they have been battling injuries at that position, and Kamu Gruje Hill is out today with a concussion. That's their starting right linebacker. Alex Singleton is going to replace him. He's an undrafted player out of Montana State. He's been in the league a few years, but not a guy that has played an awful amount of reps. So if you're the Giants, it's not so much looking for the deep bombs. It's working the middle of the field. And you know that that is right in the wheelhouse of Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. So if they can protect Eli Manning, he can survey the field. You know, There, to me, are going to be opportunities to make plays in this game. But it all depends on the play in the trenches and also, once again, the ability to run the football, which has been up and down over the last few weeks. Now, you could argue Saquon is coming off one of his most productive games. However, you want to see him build upon that. And you know, Saquon has yet to get over 100 rushing yards since week two against the Buffalo Bills. So is this going to be the game? Well, this is an Eagles rushing defense that has been very impressive. And if there's one number that is worthy of jumping off the page, it's the fact that the Eagles are allowing just 91 yards per game. That's fourth in the NFL, whereas they're 18th against the pass. That's why I said, to me, the attractive matchup is trying to target the Eagles down the field and then seeing if that can open up things on the ground game as the game moves forward. So that's the layout of the land in terms of the Giants-Eagles matchup today. 
As far as the pride factor, it goes without saying. I think there's going to be a lot of that on the line for the Giants. And also, an eight-game losing streak that they have an opportunity to end. And if there's not enough motivation to go out and win because of that, I don't know what else to tell you. The Giants have not lost nine in a row since the 1976 season. And if you remember, that 1976 season, for a number of you who love to invest in the archives, was a season in which a coach lost his job as a result of the Giants starting off 0-9. And that was the last time we brought up a nine-game losing streak. They have an opportunity to end that. I don't think they want to join the historical archives from that standpoint. So Giants-Eagles, Monday Night Football. We are going to get more into the matchup, but I also want to open up the phone lines. And as I mentioned, you can't give us a ring. You can interact with us on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. You can also send the tweets into me directly, at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. All right, let's start the festivities because I know a lot of you have been waiting patiently and you want to weigh in on this matchup. So we kick things off and we go across the seas. Carlos is in Australia. Carlos, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? I'm actually in Astoria. You're in Astoria. Okay, well, I don't know how Australia became Astoria, but I tell you, that is some achievement on your part to do so much traveling over the span of 15 minutes. Okay, Carlos, you're in Astoria. I'm glad we settled that. Yes. So Uh, what's happening? Quick question for you and then a comment. Sure. The news news today coming out, some of the quotes from Leonard Williams. Lance, how do we justify this, this decision to trade draft capital for a guy that's going to be an impending free agent? I mean, what, what was the point of this? If there was one position we actually had some solid depth at, it was probably the defensive tackle position. Well, there has because they've invested a number of draft picks in that position over the last few years, specifically B.J. Hill and Dexter Lawrence. I know the quote that you're referring to. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to blow it out of proportion on this program. I will say this. This is a believer of mine in terms of everything. I would not read so much into it, Carlos, right now in terms of what players are saying. He is a pending free agent, which means that he has every right to try to maximize the value of his contract. And I wouldn't fault a player for coming out and saying that. That doesn't mean, though, by any means, that he's absolutely leaving and he's absolutely walking with nothing. So, you know, once again, you can hear a quote four weeks before the season, and that doesn't mean that he's absolutely going to leave. And he could very well test the market, but once again, that doesn't mean he's leaving the Giants. So until we get to the point, until we get to the point, I'll I'll let you continue, until we get to the point where he absolutely leaves and signs with another team, you know, then it's maybe worth looking back and evaluating the pros and cons of that trade. But right now it's just words on a page, and I don't blame him if he wants to try to get as much money as possible. I would say every free agent has the right to do that. Well, also, his agent is going to tell him, you're not signing a contract until we open up. Why would he, why would he sign a deal with the Giants until seeing what other teams yeah. and other well, opportunities And once again, I think that's good advice if that's his, what his agent is saying. I wouldn't blame the agent for saying that. Right. So what, what was the logic behind the Giants renting him for eight games? just to bid on him with the other 32 teams. Well, but, but once again, we're, we're not at the point where we can say with 100% certainty that they rented him. You, you want to have a conversation? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. For all we know, he no. tests free agency and comes back, so then it doesn't become a rental. Right, but, Lance, but Lance, they put themselves in a position now where he has the leverage in the evaluation. Do you think Dave Gettleman's going to want to go to his boss and say, I, you know, I threw away a third-round pick? For eight games of a rental park, the Crosstown Rival Jets is going to yeah. be 
so much egg on his face that they're, they're going to bend the Giants over backwards. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, you, you know the player has leverage in those circumstances, not just because of the Giants. When the Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper had the leverage because he didn't have a long-term deal done. When the Rams acquired Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey also has the leverage. So, you know, let's not make it sound that appreciate the phone call. Let's not make it sound as if the Giants are in unique territory here and they're the only team in the NFL that has acquired a player on an expiring contract. It actually has been happening. I just named you two other examples across the board. You always risk when you acquire a player without a contract. You're always running the risk that that player gets up walks away because he has every right to test free agency. However, we're not at the point where free agency has started. The Giants still have the edge in terms of they could very well negotiate a deal and have preliminary conversations with the agent. I'm not privy to that information. I don't know if they've had. But to say that he's absolutely leaving, I think, is an extremely premature conversation. I get it. You're invested in the Giants. You read a lot of the articles that are out there, and it's clickbait, and you're not necessarily invested in the season because you know mathematically they don't have much to play for. So that's something that you want to turn your attention to. And I'm not blaming any Giants fan for reading that. And I'm not saying to ignore it. But once again, Leonard Williams is not a free agent yet. And Leonard Williams is not signing elsewhere. So it's ridiculous to have the conversation that the Giants gave up assets and have nothing to show for it if we don't know how free agency is going to play out. So let's see how it plays out. And I would once again not read so much into one random Statement out there in the blue. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Let's check in with Antonio in Manhattan. Antonio, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, Lance. I still, I actually about uh, Leonard Williams too. Um, and I, I know it's going to be a hot topic, so you're probably going to get more calls about that. I apologize in advance. Um, you don't have to apologize. Listen, I'm not shying away from the topic, and, and I don't blame right. the last caller for bringing it up. It, it's just let's deal with the facts. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and the facts show that we haven't hit free agency yet. So to me, it's just a game mm-hmm. of speculation at this point. But go ahead. Yeah. No. So my question to you is, so he said he doesn't want to make top um, – he doesn't want to make um, Aaron Donald money because he, he, knows, he knows better. But he still wants to make top – um, defensive end three four money. You know he wants to make the tier right below that. Um, do you think that he's worth that right now? Like, what would you say? Um, has, has do you think he's earned that money to you know to, like should, should the Giants pay him that that type of money? Well, you know it's interesting you brought that up. It, it really mm-hmm. goes into a deeper conversation, Antonio of. Mm-hmm. what value Leonard Williams brings to the table. What, what I mean by that is mm-hmm. James Betcher the other day when he spoke to the media, he was asked about, well, you know, there's a lot of chatter that Leonard Williams is not getting sacks. His numbers don't necessarily jump off the page. So how do you truly right. evaluate what he brings to the table? Now, Betcher's response... Pressures. Correct. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. Betcher's response was. The same thing mm-hmm. with the defensive assistants. They've all said that when they're watching the film. There right. are things that Leonard Williams is doing to impact the play. He's just not right. bringing the quarterback down. Now, unless you're breaking down film, and I'm not saying that you're not, and I'm not saying that other fans are not, okay? Everybody's right. got their own knowledge and passion. But if you're just evaluating Leonard Williams on paper, to answer your question, right. Antonio, yeah, if I was to compare him to Aaron Donald, no, I, I don't think that I would invest that type of money. But if I'm studying Leonard Williams, the player on film, and I'm saying to myself, he's opening up one-on-one matchups on the opposite side of the field, he's getting hits on the quarterback, he's getting pressures, he's affecting how the quarterback decides what he wants to do with the football, if I value that, and I think that that's going to enable the players opposite him to cash in, then I have to determine financially what type of money is worth investing in that? 
And if that's a yep. valuable commodity, then I would say, yes, he's absolutely worth investing in. But that's something that the coaching staff in the front office is going to have to determine, knowing that he's a guy that doesn't necessarily always show up in the box score. Absolutely. Yeah. And one more question. Uh, it's about Daniel Jones. So it look, there, there's a possibility that he might be shut down for the rest of the season. There's a report that allegedly he might be out for two to four weeks. Um if that's the case, I mean, obviously, we don't know. He might come in next week. I, I, I truly believe that he should be playing next week, but we, we'll see. Um, do you think – did you see any progression on Jones from from the start of the season where he – week two when he took over to the last week where he, he played? Um, because I honestly didn't see a progression. I just saw the same, you know, the same positives and the same mistakes – throughout his entire, you know, rookie year so far. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. And uh, thanks for, the, for letting me. Uh, yeah, you got it, Antonio. Myself. And appreciate the phone call. Yes, I have seen progress. I think that the progress has come in the form of, you know, how he has stood in the pocket, how he has taken some pressure, and how he has made some throws. I mean, I think there's been a progression in terms of him, you know, staying strong in the pocket, still managing to survey the field and having the confidence to throw it down the field. I've referenced this a few times. I think the throw to Sterling Shepard for the touchdown against the Packers was an outstanding throw. I mean, that to me is not necessarily a play that, you know, maybe we would have seen a few weeks ago. So, you know, that to me is a sign of something that he's continued to not shy away from. And, you know, that's hard to teach. Uh, It's hard to teach to say, hey, stay in the pocket, embrace the opportunity to throw it down the field, but at the same time, brace for the impact. And he doesn't shy away from that. So that, to me, is an encouraging aspect. As far as the ball security, you know, there hasn't been that clean game yet. So until we see that clean game, you know, it's hard to point to progress in that department. I mean, I'm not going to be naive. I'm not going to sell you something that statistically can't be backed up. However, I've said this multiple times, and I stand by this, and Pat Shermer has echoed the same sentiments. If you look at the 21 turnovers for Daniel Jones this season, the 10 lost fumbles and the 11 interceptions, the interceptions is what it is. The 10 lost fumbles are not all on Daniel Jones. You know, sometimes they've been blindside hits. There was, remember, the throw to the direction of Saquon Barkley against the Lions that Devon Kennard picked up, ran it in for a touchdown. You know, those are plays that, yes, they count against Daniel Jones, but at the end of the day, are you going to blame him? Are you going to say, well, you know, he should have known better? So he threw a ball into the flat. It was still a live ball. That's awareness for everybody on offense. I wouldn't necessarily put that on the quarterback. And, you know, if he's setting up in the pocket, he's about to release the football, he gets hit by his blind side, he loses the ball once again. Is that on Daniel Jones? Yes, some circumstances you could argue maybe holding on to the football a little too long. But, you know, there are instances where it's hard to sit here and point the finger at Daniel Jones and say you should have done something differently. I mean, that's just the nature of football, how quickly it comes at you. So, you know, once again, when you tell the story about Daniel Jones's rookie year in the ball security department, you've got to be truthful and say every turnover has its own story. And some of these turnovers are not necessarily because of the decision-making of the quarterback. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. The VIP number to text to is 90464 for more details. Lance Metal with you here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Certainly appreciate everybody tuning in on this Monday. We're getting you set for the Giants and Eagles on Monday Night Football. Let's check in with Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's happening? Hey, Lance. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How's things with you? Good, good, good. Looking forward to tonight's game. 
Absolutely. And a uh, little excitement with, uh, with Eli, uh, you know, back in there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, maybe a little sloppy. I guess the weather forecast isn't real good. But yeah, it's not very we, pretty we can, here in Jersey. We can, we can, I can deal tell you. with that. We can. Hey, the Giants are more than capable, I think, of dealing with bad weather. I don't think this is their first rodeo in that department. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, just, I, I wanted to weigh in on the straight, the Williams trade, if if, sure. if, yeah. if if I can here for a few seconds. Um, I, I like the trade. I mean, he's a he's a major league football player. And I think he's made a big difference. In fact, you know, you you alluded to it uh, earlier in the show. You know, the run defense uh, over the last four to five weeks um, has been a lot better. Absolutely. You know, maybe maybe for the first time this year, Lance, we're starting to get a unit that other teams are looking at it and saying, you know what, they're not that bad. And I think Williams, I think Williams has been a big part of that. I think he's helped Tomlinson tremendously at the nose tackle position. Yeah, I, I, think I agree with Lawrence, you. And I think B.J. Hill, when he's come in the ballgame, has played a little better than he did through the season. So, I mean, I, I, I like it. Again, he's a, he's a major league player. I thought that, you know, the day we got him, he was our best defensive lineman. And I think he still is. And he's making these other guys. He's making these other guys better. And we we got. A, I think we're getting a little, you know, street cred on the run defense. Now I hope it doesn't blow up tonight. But that that was my uh, well, Len, feeling. I agree with you. I think you make a, vel- a very valid point. The Jets, the Bears, and the Packers games. You look at the opposing running backs. You know, have not yeah. done a lot of damage. You know, yeah. since the Z game. Uh, against the Cowboys on Monday night, you know, the Giants have made an impressive turnaround. And I do think yes. that is a reflection of what Leonard Williams has brought to the table. There's no yeah, doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And I, I want to see, I'm hoping that that will continue and that, you know, the reputation starts to grow a little bit. Um, you know, people start looking at the film and saying, you know what, that run defense is pretty good. And uh, that will at least be one unit that perhaps has... Uh, you know, grown as we've gone through the season. And again, Williams has had, I, I think, Williams has played a big part of that. You know, I, I draft choices, Lance, I know a lot of people different, uh, are, will, will disagree with me on this, but, you know, it's just a number. If, if you look back at the, <laughs> if you look back at who we've drafted in the third round, I'm not going to go through the last 10 drafts, 11, 12 drafts, but if you look at some of the names that pop up, I say, you know, come on. You know, I'll take Lin- I'll take Leonard Williams any day over Travis Beckham, any day over Double O, any day over Jarrell Jernigan. I mean, you know, it's just the number. Hey, let me let me talk a little bit about tonight's game, if I may. Um, uh, you alluded to it earlier in the show, and Jeff spoke to this quite eloquently on Friday. You know, it's just time. I mean, these guys aren't rookies anymore, Lance. In my mind, you know, it's it's game it's game thirteen. We're in the last twenty five percent of the season. Yeah, you know, we've all been together since May. It's time for people to make strides. Now, you can't get blood from a turnip, but some of these guys can play better, Lance. You know, the rookies, the second-year play, you know, last year's draft choices, I think we can play better, and it's just time to start showing this. Let's show something in this last, these last four games, these last 25% of the season. Let's grow a little bit as a team. Come on, let's put the last... 12 games behind us. I know we're 2-10. We don't want to lose nine in a row. That'll tie a franchise record. Let's go down there tonight and win a game. Let's win a few more before this season is over and watch this team turn around a little bit. Hey, Lance, 
Go Giants. All right, Len. Appreciate the phone we'll call. We'll talk later in the week. Yeah, man. You got Bye. it. Thanks for the phone call. In terms of Leonard Williams, as Len was talking about, I agree with his philosophy. I think if you could turn draft picks into known commodities, then you do it without hesitation. Because the draft is the land of the unknown. So if you were to tell me you take a mid-round pick and another asset and you get Leonard Williams, once again, I still think it's worth taking on the established player because you actually know what that player is going to bring you. You have a better idea of what that player is going to bring you as opposed to no matter what the player has done in college, it's still a guessing game in terms of whether or not that player is going to pan out, whether or not the skill set in college is going to translate to the NFL. So there's a lot of guessing involved in that process. I would rather go with the proven commodity. And I think that's why it's been a trend in the NFL. As I mentioned, I brought up the Amari Cooper trade. I brought up the Jalen Ramsey trade. You're seeing a lot of teams give up draft picks and take on veterans, even if that means it could be a rental or even if that means that they can't work out a long-term deal because they feel, hey, at least we know we're going to get somebody on our roster right now and he's going to contribute and he's going to help our team. So, you know, that I'm sure was a big part of the Giants' rationale. And the other part of it was the interest and desire to re-sign Leonard Williams. So once again, you can read a quote from Leonard Williams, and I'm not saying that there's no substance behind those words, but if you ask any player in the National Football League and you ask their agent, if that player or that agent told me that their goal was not to make the most money humanly possible, then I would tell them, I don't know why you're even playing football or why you're even trying to succeed in this game because that's the goal of every single player. So that goes back to if a player is quoted as saying they want to capitalize financially, that's what their goal should be. I don't think that you're going to find a player in the NFL that's going to tell you they're not going to try to find the team that's going to pay them the most money. So once again, that should be the words out of the mouths of every player, and I would not read too much into it because we have yet to get to free agency. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also chime in on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We unfortunately have to go to Charlie in Portland, Maine, a little bit too earlier than I anticipated, but welcome aboard, Charlie. What do you got for us? Hey, Lance. How hey, we doing? Eli's coming. Hide your kids, Philly. Eli's coming. Oh, I didn't know we were going to get a dog and pony routine out of you today. Wow. How fortunate the rest of us are. Hey, I told you this day would come, didn't I, Lance? Well, listen, I'm you sure Eli you're an extremely... Again? Well, yeah, well, you were certainly hoping for it. I, I don't think to say that anybody was wishing that this would happen. It came at the expense of Daniel Jones being hurt. And I don't think there's anybody oh, that wanted to see the young hurt. quarterback get hurt. It's not life-threatening. No, it's not life-threatening. But I, I don't think if, if Eli Manning had his way, I, I don't think the ultimate script that he had laid out for himself was that I'm going to come back as a result of an injury. I mean, any competitor wants to be in this position as a result of your production, not because the door opened because of injury. Well, uh, that's what happened, and he's here, and hopefully he's going to be the last. He's going to play the last four games, and uh, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I think uh, Eli is going to light it up tonight. I think he's going to, uh, you know, really uh, change the offense uh, because he's going to be smart. He's going to know how to put the linemen in the right places. He's going to know when to to check off the ball and just you know throw it to Barkley. Uh, he's just going to be so much smarter. 
than uh, Daniel Jones is. He's not going to hold on to the ball for three seconds, which is if he tried to do that against Philly, he would be destroyed. Well, so, if you try to do that against any team, I, I think you're giving the defense <laughs> except, an opportunity. Except for our pass rush, maybe they might be. Well, all listen, right. the, the Giants' but, pass rush showed some flashes earlier this season. Yeah, Unfortunately, the, the last they, game they, against they, the Packers didn't get home. Yeah. Hey, I, I like I love uh, Leonard Williams. I wanted us to draft him when he came out, and I think he's going to be a real. And of course, the guy's going to say he wants money. What is he going to say? No, I don't. Well, that's want what money, I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm not going to check out free agency. He's just, you know, it's just the game they play. You know, they want Absolutely. the Giants to give them the best offer, not lowball them and play games. You know, so hey, it's smart. Yeah, well, one hundred percent. That's why I would never fault a player for publicly or through his agent saying he wants to make money. I mean, right. wow, that's a right. stunning development. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately, I agree with you, Charlie. You're actually making sense today. <laughs> this is, is unreal. He, he wants yeah. to be in New York, you know, and I, so I, they'll get it done. They're not going to just throw away a third round and a fifth round or a fourth round, whatever it is, picks. And uh, he is a good player. And like I said, if, this guy, if, if Leonard Williams would put his hands up, knock some passes down, he'd be a really disruptive player. He's huge. And um, you know, I think he needs to do that a little bit more often. Uh, watching the games yesterday, they, the, some of these linemen, uh, Donald did. He uh, knocked down a pass, um, you know, and, and they just got to be more opportunistic that way and think about doing that. Maybe that's not in Betcher's scheme, but it should be. They should be able to uh, try to knock down some passes, especially well, – well, well, I was going to say, Charlie, listen, I don't think that the coaches are telling these guys not to put their hands up, but, you know, it's a matter of the first priority is to get after the quarterback. In route to getting after the quarterback, yes, you want to be able to put your hands up in the event that you realize you can't get home. But if you're taught from a fundamentally sound perspective that you need to stick to this routine in order to get to the quarterback, you're not going to sacrifice that routine by simply sticking your hand up. It's almost like it's a last resort in the event that you know, hey, you're not winning your one-on-one battle, at least try to back the ball down. So that, I think, is part of the mindset of the player. Not, hey, let me step back and just anticipate where the pass is going to go. The goal for any of these defensive linemen is to get home. I mean, that's what they're paid for. They're paid to win the battle in the trenches, bring the quarterback down, stop the run. They're not paid to stand around and wait and anticipate batting down passes. That's yeah, just not their I, MO. Well, that is true if you have a quarterback that holds on to the ball. But if you have a quarterback well, but even if you don't, rid of the ball... Well, but even if you don't, though, I would argue, seconds, Charlie. You're not going to get there anyway. So you may as well try to... Especially somebody like Brady. He's always throwing it over the middle to Edelman. And, you know, and you, know you, you just jump up and get in his way because he's going to get the ball out quick, you can knock down a bunch of passes, you know? So that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying do it every time, but they should try to put that in their arsenal a little bit, especially if, I don't know, I don't know if uh, Wentz gets the ball out quick or not. I don't remember. I know he runs around a lot, but... Well, he does have um, mobility. Uh, most huh? of these quarterbacks in today's NFL are getting rid of the football quickly. Uh, let's face it. You know, it's not as if there's a quarterback in particular that's holding on the ball a year on a Sunday. So, you know, you always need to anticipate the quarterback's going to get rid of the football. But to your point, Wentz is able to escape the pocket. He's able to extend plays, and that's something that you need to be aware of, just like what Aaron Rodgers can do. You know, what makes Aaron Rodgers dangerous is you can get home, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's elusive. He's able to roll out of the pocket, and then you better be well-disciplined on the the back end because if you're not you're going to lose containment and then all of a sudden somebody's going to be free well you know just watching the kansas city and uh not kansas city seattle and uh the rams 
Yeah, the Rams. I mean, uh, Wilson was running all over the place, but they their their secondary just just they were all over the the receivers. He couldn't really even come up with plays. He threw it away most of the time, except when he picked up maybe a few yards. But uh, I was really impressed with their secondary and how they stayed with their with their guys. You know, even well, when there was three seconds or four seconds going yeah, on. I mean, you, know? you could tell that's a strong asset and it's a great luxury. Listen, I always go back to. The Patriots-Rams Super Bowl, Charlie. You know, there's a reason why New England was able to contain Jared Goff. It wasn't just getting pressure on him. It was the fact that, you know, guys like Stephon Gilmore and the McCourty twins are really good cover guys. And when you have that and they could cover on their own without the front seven getting after the quarterback, yes, you see how valuable those are. But you don't live in a world and you don't see that across the board in the NFL where there's great cover guys on every single team. And when there's not, you better be able to get after the quarterback or else guys are going to be roaming free. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, tonight Eli and Tate are going to really hook up. I think that's going to be the tandem. I think uh, they're going to make a lot of great plays. And uh, he's also going to check down to Barkley's going to have a big game. And uh, I think we're going to win it. I mean, I haven't felt like we're going to win a game since – the first week. So uh, I think we're going to take Philly down, and I think Eli is going to be on a roll, and uh, we'll see what happens. But right, it's going to be fun seeing number 10 out there. Well, appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, that's somewhat of an added storyline that a lot of us did not anticipate. So, yeah, you do have the opportunity to see Eli back under center, and I agree. I do think that there are areas to capitalize off of against the Eagles tonight. I I think that they've had some breakdowns in the secondary on the back end, but that is all dependent on how the Giants' offensive line performs against the front seven. All bets are off if that doesn't take place. And the ability to continue to stop the run, which they've done very effectively in the last three games. They do that, then I think that's going to put pressure on Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills and Malcolm Jenkins and the entire Eagles secondary. And that's the exact game plan that most teams have had. Handle your business in the trenches and then try to win those favorable matchups down the field. But that's all contingent, once again, on what happens in the front seven. And then as far as on the offensive side of the ball, in terms of containing the Eagles, getting after Carson Wentz and being able to stop Miles Sanders. I mean, those, to me, are the key things. If they could do that, you know, then all of a sudden, you're going to be knocking on the door of opportunity. Let's head back to the phone lines. Mike is in Queens. Mike, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm doing all right, Mike. What's on your mind? Oh, no, just want to tell a little bit about the defense. Um, I, I know uh, Peppers, he's going to be out, of course. Uh, I was wondering if uh, Julian Love, is, will it be Julian Love and... Um, and Antoine uh, Bethea? Yeah, Yeah, Julian Love is going to start again. He started against the Green Bay Packers, so he'll make his second straight start. I don't foresee any changes. The the only thing that's changed in terms of the safety makeup is Sean Chandler is now back on the 53-man roster because Peppers went to IR, as you mentioned, with the broken bones in his back, and they called up Sean Chandler from the practice squad. He clearly had been with the team last year and most of this season, so they now have an additional safety in the mix. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I think uh, Julian Love have a good uh, game because uh, he's been playing good lately. And, yes. Uh, I, yeah. It's looking like like I remember you guys were saying that um, they were thinking about you know making him a safety even though he was a corner. We drafted him as a corner. Well, they drafted him I think with the anticipation that he could play both. 
that he could be a nickel corner and a safety. I, I think that always was the mindset. And they've been grooming a lot of these young guys to play multiple positions so that in the event somebody gets hurt, they can move them around. But, yeah, I mean, it has been somewhat of a transition to a different position, but he had been preparing to do that all throughout the course of the season, even though he wasn't getting a lot of reps in games. Okay. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think our secondary should have a big game because Carson Wentz, he's uh, been off the mark lately. So I think we, we have a good game on the defense side, I'm hoping. And uh, I'll make, can I make a little prediction for Eli? Sure. What do you got? I got three touchdowns, one pick, and a win for uh, – Eli. All right, well, I think Eli will take that. I think the Giants will take that if that comes to fruition, Mike, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. The only thing that I will be a little bit cautious of is, you know, when you say Carson Wentz has had a rough time, he's actually coming off a pretty good performance against the Miami Dolphins, in all fairness. And once again, how many times have we been here throughout the course of the week and we've mapped out this team has this weakness, this team has that weakness, this is how the Giants should be able to take advantage. And it hasn't always come to fruition like that. So you got to be a little bit careful in saying, well, you know, Wentz hasn't been that effective. Yeah, and that hasn't really mean hasn't meant much of anything throughout the course of this season. So I do think there are some favorable matchups. But remember, it's all contingent on the Giants' level of execution and whether or not they could go out there and put together that complete performance. And the where the completeness starts is not turning the ball over because we have yet to have a game in which that has happened this season, which is quite remarkable, but that's why it shouldn't be a surprise that the Giants are 2-10 because when you have a turnover differential of minus 14, it is very difficult to solve that riddle. And that's exactly what the Giants have been faced with throughout the course of this season. There's been so many games that have changed with respect to field position. There have been so many games that have changed as a result of the opposition taking a takeaway and scoring a touchdown with that. I mean, there was a stretch where, you know, we went three or four games where we were witnessing the opposing defense reach the end zone. So, you know, those things have been cleaned up a little, but we're talking about a game where you're not giving the opposition any gifts whatsoever. And what I also mean by a complete game is complementary football. Now, that, to me, has also been a troubling aspect for the Giants this season. And what I mean by that is a game where, okay, the offense delivers, but then the defense has breakdowns. The offense and special teams delivers, but the defense has breakdown, or vice versa. And that's been also an issue. Case in point, you go back to this Packers game, which was their last game, and they lost 31-13. It's a game which was 17-13, remember, at one point. I know that seems like it was ages ago, because we tend to focus more on the result than perhaps the flow of the game. But a 17-13 game, and then you have the interceptions, and then you have the drives where the Giants' defense commits penalty after penalty on third down to enable the Packers to continue a drive, that's where all of a sudden you start to have those breakdowns late in the game where if you don't play perfect football on the opposite facet of your team, you stand no chance of winning that game. And that's what I'm alluding to when I say that complete game. It's not just clean football. It's complementary football. You know, there was also the Bears game, for example, where the defense, I thought, played an extremely respectable game. You give up 19 points in the NFL, you're putting yourself in a position to win a game. I don't think that's asking for much. But you have two missed field goals, and you have some special teams breakdowns, and the offense also is not able to complete drives. So, you know, that balance has not been shown throughout 
the course of this season. And that's something that the Giants are yearning for and striving for tonight against a team that is hungry. I mean, this is an Eagles team that has every opportunity in front of itself to win the NFC East, especially with the Cowboys slipping up. And this is going to be an extremely motivated Eagles team because they know that they're extremely disappointed based on the fact that they lost to the Dolphins and they're also riding a three-game losing streak. So you you could argue both teams are coming into this game with a whole lot on the line, whether it be pride, whether it be trying to snap a losing streak, whether it be trying to stay within the mathematics of the playoff hunt, or whether it be ruining and spoiling a team's chances of remaining in the playoff hunt. So, you know, for anybody that wants to say, oh, well, the ultimate goal should be the Giants should just try to position themselves for the best possible draft pick, I will tell you this right now. There is no player on this roster, all 53 guys that are going to tell you that the one thing that they're occupying themselves with right now is where the Giants are going to select in the NFL draft. And you could tell me all you want about, you know, teams always try to position themselves to get the best possible draft pick. You can think like that. You can have that wish. You can have that philosophy. Good luck trying to convince the 46 guys that have to go out there and sacrifice their bodies that the ultimate goal is not to go out, play hard, put good film on tape, and try to win a football game. It's just that, to me, is the land of fairy tales. So, you know, for those of you who believe that the Giants should have no incentive of winning games down the stretch, I completely disagree with that philosophy. I think they have everything riding, specifically every individual player on this roster. And there's a lot of guys that are not guaranteed to be on this roster next year. That's more of a reason why they want to go out and prove that they should be retained by the Giants or they should still have an opportunity to play in the National Football League because that is a luxury. That's not a right, as has been well documented throughout the course of time. There is no higher turnover rate in professional sports than in the National Football League. What happens one season is absolutely not guaranteed the following season. I will tell you that. Now, let's check out some of your reaction on Twitter here. And we still have an opportunity for you to weigh in on the phone lines at 201-939-4513. And before we look at Twitter, a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 904 for more details. So let's check out what some of you are saying on social media and in terms of some of the ideas and philosophies heading into this game, as well as big picture philosophies. Richard, can we assume Rosas is back in form after Green Bay's successful kicks, or will the Eagles be another downturn with points left on the pitch? Well, that goes back to what I was talking about in terms of complementary football. And Rosas had a very strong performance against the Green Bay Packers, considering the weather was not cooperative for the kicking game. Uh, He came through. He answered the call. So is this a sign of what's yet to come that he could build upon? I don't see why there's a reason to doubt that, despite some of the hiccups that he's had to deal with in the previous five games. So he's been also to Lincoln Financial Field. It's not as if he's being thrown in an environment that he has not been exposed to. You take that into consideration, and you know once again, I, I think if you're looking for a reason for him to not have success, you know I think it's a stretch. But there's no reason that he can't build off of the Green Bay game. The other thing to keep in mind is he's already had a game with his new snapper because Zach Diossi missed the Packers game. 
So he's had an opportunity throughout the course of practice with Colin Holba and the game. And then on top of that, now another week of practice and then entering this game. So the reps have been there. That to me would be another encouraging sign why I wouldn't be skeptical of him not being able to deliver tonight against the Eagles after a very strong showing against the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, all of those factors, I I think, add up as a positive with respect to Aldrich Rosas. Now, you know, keep in mind, speaking of special teams, you know, the Eagles special teams this season has been a key factor for them in terms of the return game uh, as well as their kicking game. Jake Elliott, actually, their kicker, and I know that may be pouring salt in the wounds of Giants fans because Elliott, remember, a few years ago had that massive game-winning field goal as time expired, but he had made 20 straight field goals before he had the miss against the Miami Dolphins last week. But other than that, he had been extremely consistent. And in terms of their return game, Miles Sanders, they're actually using as their main kickoff return guy. So, you know, when you look at that, he's a versatile player, not just as a receiver, not just as a runner, but also somebody that has the ability to take it to the house. He's got a long of 67 this year. He's averaging 22 yards per return. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the special teams tonight to not flip the field, to not change field position, because the last thing you want to do is give a golden opportunity to the Eagles, an offense that prior to the Dolphins game, it only scored 19 points combined against the Patriots and the Seahawks. So, you know, this has not been an offensive juggernaut this season. But you can't give a team like that 50 yards and say, hey, all you have to do is pick up 20-so yards and you're already in field goal range. You do that, you're not helping your cause on many different fronts. So, you know, that to me is a crucial part of this game. You know, something that we have not necessarily talked about in the early stages of the program, but special teams can't be overlooked. And in fairness, the Giants, in terms of their coverage and in terms of their return game, has not been an area that you could point to that has brought the team down this season. There's actually been a lot of bright spots on special teams. But once again, because of some defensive breakdowns, offensive breakdowns, it has enabled the opposition to capitalize. And this is not a game where you want to tell a struggling offense, hey, you know, X amount of drives, you only have to go 50, 60 yards. The Bears, if you remember, were able to take advantage of that. And the Giants were not because the Giants had four drives in that game where they started from, what, about the Chicago 45 or better and barely had any points to show for it. We've had this conversation on this program time and time again. Time of possession is a conversation that comes up more often than not. Field position comes up more often than not. Turnovers comes up more often than not. And to me, the common theme is, hey, all of those factors are great. You can tell me all the numbers you want. If you don't do anything with them, they're irrelevant. If you don't score points based on time of possession, you don't finish drives, great. You put four drives together, you ate up the clock, you ended with four field goals. Okay, so you have 12 points to show for. You're going to win a football game with 12 points? You have three turnovers in the game. Great. Okay, what would you do off of those three turnovers? You scored one touchdown. All right, that's not necessarily a huge difference maker. And then same thing with field position. Well, your starting field position, let's say, was perhaps the 35-yard line. Okay, well, show me what you did with it. Now, all those numbers are great, and they may look good from a statistical standpoint. If it doesn't add up to anything production-wise, it's not going to be synonymous with a win. And that's why I think sometimes the conversation gets caught up with a lot of those statistical trends, and you know, a lot of them are hollow. A lot of them are empty. It's all about 
production off of those statistics, not just the statistic out on an island. So, you know, that's something that the Giants have flashed with at times this season. But unfortunately, they have not been able to take advantage of it. And to me, you know, this is a number that I bring up all the time. The Giants this season have 14 takeaways. Now, if you look at 14 takeaways, you say, that's not a terrible number. It puts Giants in the middle of the pack. Okay, let's take it a step further. What did they do with the 14 takeaways? They've only scored 27 points off those 14 takeaways. Do the math. That's less than two points a takeaway. Uh, You can't have 14 takeaways and only equate that to 27 points. You've got to be able to show more for that. So, you know, that to me had been an issue. It's not as if the Giants had not been opportunistic at times. They just haven't cashed it in. Uh, That is something that has to steer in the opposite direction. Because what have the other teams been able to do? The other teams that the Giants have played, they've been able to score points. And that's why when you see those trends playing out, that's more of a reason why the Giants have to play clean football. Because you don't want giveaways and takeaways to even factor in. Then you don't have to do the math and say, well, you know, they had two takeaways, they scored 14 points, we had one takeaway, we only scored seven. You don't even have to think about that if you play clean football and you take care of business. And, you know, that's why playing the trenches tonight is huge. If there's any strength to this Eagles defense, it is their front four. Not their front seven, it's their front four. It's their ability to get after the quarterback. I want to read you a few numbers because I think these numbers speak volumes of the Eagles defense. Brandon Graham has seven and a half sacks. He's first on the team. Fletcher Cox, who plays right next to him, has three and a half sacks. That's 11 right there. Tim Jernigan, who missed six games this year with a broken foot, so he's just getting his legs back under him. He just has a sack, but is a big presence, a big guy in the gaps that could stop the run. And then Derek Barnett, who's coming into this game questionable with an ankle injury, he has four and a half sacks. And oh, by the way, Barnett and Cox each have two forced fumbles, which is tied for first on the team. So all four of those guys are more than capable of getting after the quarterback and stopping the run. And then they have about three or four guys behind them that they rotate in. 25 of the team's 34 sacks have come from the defensive line this season. Now, you're going to say, well, 10 of them was against the Jets. And that does skew the numbers a bit. That's a fair point. That's why I'm bringing these factors up. You know, a hollow number on the surface doesn't tell the whole story. But they still have nine sacks in the last two games. They've been pretty efficient in that department. How the Giants' offensive line performs is going to tell an awful lot. Now, the encouraging aspect is I was throwing out a lot of those numbers with respect to Preston Smith last week. And Zadarius Smith, Green Bay, I mean, both of those guys had at least 10 sacks, and the Giants kept them silent in the sack department. But, you know, those guys still were able to get some quarterback hits and were still able to get some pressures. So, you know, that only tells the whole story. If they can protect Eli Manning, there's no reason why he's not going to have some opportunities to survey the field tonight. But once again, it's all contingent based on that. And we know when Eli is given time, he has an opportunity to take care of business. So, you know, that to me is going to be a significant storyline. And it's been a significant storyline this entire season because every week we're talking about some of the elite pass rushers that the Giants are seeing. And sometimes they hold them silent and other times that has not been the case. And unfortunately, that's led to turnovers and it's changed field position. But you contain those guys and you don't make them wreck the game then you give yourself a chance. 
And as far as the offense is concerned, they also need to be able to finish drives tonight. And they have to be able to get it in the end zone. 13 points against the Green Bay Packers. There's been a lot of games this year where the Giants have had to settle for the teens. And no matter how good your defense performs, you're putting so much pressure on that unit to try to win a football game. The last two games, the Giants have scored 27 points combined. 14 against the Bears, 13 against the Packers. And if you want to take it a step back, the Cowboys, they only scored 18. So three of the last four games, the Giants' offense has only scored 18 points or less. For a defense that has had its back against the wall time and time again this season, you can't spot them just 18 points and expect them to come out with a victory. So you know this has got to be a game where the Giants get into that 25-point barometer they move the ball, and they finish it with touchdowns. And if they do that, you know, that certainly is going to add up to a good chance for a victory and a good chance to end this lengthy eight-game losing streak. So that's the stage in terms of what to expect for Monday Night Football, Giants and the Eagles tonight. We're going to have our pregame show start at 6.45 p.m. on WFAN. You could also hear it on TuneIn. For those of you who subscribe to that app, Jeff Fiegels and I are going to be broadcasting live from 80 River on 80 River Street in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's where we're going to be doing the pregame show from. So for those of you in the New Jersey area, the Hoboken area, or you want to take the train over from Manhattan, feel free to join us as we'll continue to set the stage for the Giants and the Eagles. And then we'll have full postgame coverage on WFAM. We'll have a two-hour postgame show immediately following the game. So you can stay tuned for that. For those of you who are night owls and are going to sacrifice sleep following the game, which is obviously going to be on ESPN tonight. A reminder in terms of our Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast, if you subscribe to the Giants Audio Podcast, please note the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast now has its own dedicated podcast channel. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. Again, Big Blue Kickoff Live no longer is available in the Giants Audio Podcast. Please subscribe to the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast. You can still watch or listen to the show, of course, right here on Giants.com as well as the Giants app. And a reminder once again that Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. It is going to be a lengthy day between the Giants and the Eagles as they head to primetime. Enjoy the game. Big Blue Kickoff Live up and running again tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Lance Meadows signing off. And always stay locked to Giants.com for the latest news and notes. Have a good one. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.